preachers who are saying things like this are not doing their their flock any favors by arming them with this super poor evidence. Like you can make a good case for the existence of Jesus without lying or without using shoddy evidence. Just use the right evidence, you know? Hello, and welcome to another episode of Reason to Doubt, your source for all things skeptical. I'm your host, Jordan. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jared. How's it going, Jared? It is going very well. And yourself? Going pretty well. Uh, Going under the knife on Friday. Going to get my gums all cut up. Nice. That sounds amazing. Actually, it doesn't. I apologize, but I hope it's going it to be a blast. Well for, yeah. 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 Uh, so good thing we're recording now, so I'm not spraying blood all over my monitor. So we may have a week or two pause before the next episode comes out. But. I think I'll be good for the next episode. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Anyways, uh, so today we are going to follow on the episode we did two episodes ago. We talked about the things that atheists get wrong and things we wish they would stop sharing or stop saying. Like we mentioned at the time, that was challenging to come up with that list because it's always more difficult to look in on yourself. So this time we're going to take the easy road and we're going to sharpshoot the other side. So today we're talking nine since we did nine for the atheists. We're doing nine things we wish theists or religious people would stop saying. And this list was not difficult to come up with. In fact, we came up with it within like five minutes. So (laughs) this list was much, much easier. I think it's going to be fun. So before we dive into that, as always, uh, today's episode is brought to you by the ought is fallacy. Hmm. Not to be confused with the is ought fallacy, which is a different fallacy. Different fallacy, completely. This one is also known as the wishful thinking. Um, So it conflates the way that you wish things were with the way that things are. So So it's kind of like an emotional thing, like you want something to be true. So therefore it is true. Some examples would be like, well, I know that there's a God because if there wasn't a God, life would be meaningless. Yeah. Uh, Or you could say, I don't care what you say. Trump won the election. He's our president. Right. Because I really want him to be president. This reminds me of what my grandfather used to tell me. You can uh, wish in one hand, shit in the other and see which one fills up faster. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So this one is very common, I think, among you know, lay people, if you just like ran up to somebody in the street and started questioning their beliefs after they told you to screw off and, you know, go, you know, jump in a well or whatever, you'd probably end up with a lot of this sort of thinking, uh, particularly if someone hasn't really thought deeply about their position, because it's very easy to, to make the jump from this is how I want things to be, or even like, it makes you feel better to believe this. So you believe it. So I think it should be pretty self-evident why this is fallacious. There's a big difference between I wish this was true or I would like for this to be true or wouldn't it be nice if it were true and this is actually true because if you're not aware, the world sucks and many, many times what you want to be true isn't true. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. There's a lot of things I wish were true. Yeah. Like for Sasquatch. Instance, I wish Sasquatch was true. Bigfoot, you wish Bigfoot existed? Yeah, I mean, it'd be cool. Just like some big, like unknown thing out in the woods, you know, kind of. Yeah, I, I imagine like if it did exist, it'd probably be like a tribe of Neanderthals that somehow survived. Yeah, kind of like the missing link or something like, or I don't know if you ever saw the movie Harry and the Hendersons. Like, you know, No, I don't think I saw that one. A great one from the 80s. but Or maybe it'd be like Caveman Lawyer, uh, the SNL skit. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
But speaking of things that I wish were true, I wish it would be true that religious people would stop saying these things to me. What are these things that they would stop saying, though? (laughs) So the first one, and this one I get all the time, all the time, constantly. Uh, It it comes in mainly two flavors. The first one is the more like layman version. Deep down, you really believe that there's a God. Or if we're talking to someone who's more like a precept or an apologist, they'll tell me that I'm suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. Yeah. This one. So first of all, you got to be pretty bold to like say this to somebody, you know, like uh, you'd be pretty confident uh, to tell somebody that you don't believe what you believe. And actually you believe something different. Like, and, and boy, are they confident? Yeah. Because uh, so this stems, I think, at least on the Christian side from a verse in the book of Romans chapter one, verse 20. Uh, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. That last part there is the key. Right. So basically, the Bible is saying that the existence of God is so self-evident that everyone uh, believes in him, like everybody does. And therefore... The Christian or the theist takes this to mean, well, you, the atheist, say you don't believe, but the Bible has to be right, so therefore, you're wrong. Yeah, and also, I mean, the other thing with the Christian, too, like if a Christian believes the Bible to be inerrant, right, Mm -hmm. and the Bible is saying one thing, and an atheist, of all things, is saying something different, who do you think the Christian's going to believe? Right. This atheist is lying either to themselves or to the Christian. Um, they're, you know, covering up this belief or whatever the reason is. I've heard many different versions of it. I even had a guy tell me that he found it hard. I mean, he seemed pretty reasonable. But when he said, well, I know that you believe and quoted this verse. And I was like, but I'm telling you I don't. He's like, well, I find that hard to believe. And I'm like, but like... I, I'm the world's foremost authority on what I believe. <laughs> and the thing is, like, that, that gets me about this is this is a verse, this is a, a line of, I mean, it's, I don't even want to call it an argument, but this kind of line is the kind of thing that only works for people who already agree with you. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it feels good, like, you're telling your congregation, well, it doesn't matter if this smart person disagrees with you, because deep down, they actually believe. But, like, I don't know very much with 100% certainty. But one of the things I do know with 100% or whatever the maximum amount of certainty is, is what's in my own head. Like, I I can't know much, but I know what's in there, right? Yeah. I don't know much, but I know I don't believe. Yeah. Right. So, (laughs) if you're saying, well, the Bible says that you actually do believe, then what you've told me is now I know for a fact the Bible is wrong. Like, I don't know much, but I know at least in this one instance, there is no way the Bible could be correct. Like, it's not helping your case. Yeah. And the other thing too, is this is a conversation ender. Like if you were even hoping to have a conversation with an atheist and you tell them, no, you don't, you don't believe actually you do believe kind of thing. Like you're, you're done. Like, yeah, it's the, the arrogance is just breathtaking. Like, where do you get off telling me what I think? Like, <laughs> like seriously, you know, it, it would be like, and, and just imagine how you would feel if, if you've said this to someone or you're tempted to say this to someone, just, just flip it around. 
imagine you talked about how you believed in Jesus and the atheist is like, you don't actually believe. You don't really believe in Jesus. Nobody could believe in that, something like that. You know, it's so it's like you see how how much a douche that atheist sounds like, you know, well, let me tell you, it sounds just as bad the other way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, There's a couple other verses, too, in the Bible that kind of back this up. The one I was trying to pull up here, I think it was Psalms fourteen one. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Yep. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is no who no one who does good. So like this one doesn't necessarily tie into the, you, be, you know, you believe, but like when you call somebody a fool, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Yeah. If your, if your goal is to reach this atheist, reach me and convert me from my heathen ways, this is not a good way to go about it. Yeah. So, so stop saying it. Yeah. Speaking of not saying things, number two is why can't you just keep it to yourself, Mr. Atheist? I mean, it's fine for you to do whatever you want, but how come you have to like talk about it? Yeah, this is one I experienced uh, personally a lot. So when I first came out, I was still on Facebook and social media. And I admit, I fell into the the trap of like wanting to share with the world, hey, my newfound atheism and everybody like, guess what? I found out you're wrong or I was wrong, blah, blah, blah. I wanted everybody to know. Uh, or I would start getting into debates with people when they would make claims and stuff, you know, about Jesus or God and stuff on Facebook. Uh, people came to me and said, why can't you just keep this to yourself? Why can't you just be quiet? Like it was pretty blatant, but I also thought it was kind of hypocritical because they were the same people who are out there posting like those prayer chain ones, like share this. If you you know want to get God to give you a blessing or a miracle to happen in your life, you know, <laughs> I was like, or, uh, donating or tithing or even going themselves to missionaries whose entire like job is going and sharing their personal beliefs with <laughs> people who didn't yeah. ask them to. Yeah. If you ever gave money at your church for the missions fund, that is the exact opposite. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it is this. Now yeah. I want to draw a line. There's a difference between I don't want to talk to you about this and why can't you keep it to yourself? So yes, much difference. Like religion for many people is a private thing. And so if, you know, we, we don't want to endorse the stereotypical like jerk atheist who, you know, throws in everyone's face, even when it's clear that that conversation is not welcome right. because it's important to respect personal boundaries. So we're not talking about that. We're talking like on social media or just like engaging in a conversation. And it's not you're wrong or I disagree. It's your opinion shouldn't be given air. It's something that you should keep silent or you should be ashamed of or whatever. Yeah, it's, 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 this one always gets me. I mean, um, I, I wonder, so I was watching a prophet of Zod video in preparation for this and he was talking about the same thing and he brought up a point that I thought was interesting. He, he suspected that some of the people saying this might be saying it because in their mind, it's like religion is so benign. It's there's, there's no harm in it, even if it's not true. And it helps people and makes them feel better. So even if you're right, why would you take that away from someone? Yeah, I can see that. But I can also see like, I mean, we live in America. So most people we interact with are Christians. But if they had, if they had like a Muslim friend who was on their, you know, social media or at, you know, and they were starting to spread, you know, Islamic values and stuff like I can imagine they would easily just say it to them. Why can't you just keep that to yourselves just as much as they would an atheist? You know, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've definitely seen protests and stuff against the mosques being built, even in my county, which is 
reasonably progressive. Right. But I mean, it's kind of like, if you think about it, like you have to be very privileged to sit in a position where you don't even see that you're able to spread your beliefs like openly without any criticism or any prejudice. Like I know some Christians have like the prejudice complex or like their persecution complex, whatever you call it. But like the very idea that it could be a bad thing or criticized for you to spread your faith is so like just, just not even part of of their mental landscape. You know, the idea that you're at work and like my boss is religious and she talks about, her church all the time, which is fine. She's not like pushy about it or anything. She's great. But like the idea, it it would be kind of like me when she's like, Hey, I went to church. I'd be like, Hey, could you not bring up your church ever again? Because it offends me. The fact that like, (laughs) yeah. Why can't you just keep your church to yourself? Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just so distant. And and that just shows, like you said, the privilege of being in the majority, you know, it's, the vast majority of people, not just people who being religious, but even people who aren't very religious tend to have a positive view of religion. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of associated with being a good person or being, you know, moral or uh, upholding traditional family values or whatever, you know, feel good thing you want to apply to it. And I think that's what's driving this knee jerk kind of reaction. I mean, the, the contrary to this would be like, Hey, Jordan, I see you were posting a lot or you're, you keep interacting with, you know, Christians about, you know, atheism and raising questions. Like, that's interesting. I'd like to have a conversation with you about that sometime. Like, could you imagine that? Right. And and again, um, if you are, if your goal is to reach people and if you're supporting missionary work and stuff, I mean, should be right. You want to save me from hell. Then the atheist, again, not the atheist who's being a jerk, because yeah. screw them, but the the, the just the person refer who's, to the last podcast, <laughs> right? Refer to the last podcast on that guy. But the the people who are just expressing their opinions, trying to engage in a conversation. Those are the kind of people who want to have these conversations. Like you should be able to easily engage that person in a conversation about your specific brand of religiosity. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, number three on atheism, life is ultimately meaningless. Mm, I love this one. Actually, I don't. Uh, anytime somebody starts off by saying on atheism, I immediately cringe because I know whatever follows after that is just going to be a word salad or something just, but yeah. Very uh, little is gonna, of good is going to come from that. Yeah. So this one is made popular by, uh, well, not this one. It's one of William Lane Craig's favorite things. He always says on atheism, life is ultimately meaningless. And I can understand why too, because as human beings, we like to have meaning in things that we do. And like the idea that life has no meaning, like that's a very, it pulls at your emotional heartstrings, you know? That's scary. Yeah. Uh, Now this kind of goes back to the fallacy we talked about. Just even if it were true, it wouldn't say anything at all about whether or not God existed. Right. For example, I really want life to have meaning. Therefore God exists. Or God gives me my life meaning. Therefore he exists. Yeah. Yeah. Neither of those are good arguments, yeah. but to show like what this, what this argument might look like, I pulled up a article written by William Lane Craig. If you don't know who he is, he's a apologist, a philosopher for, he's a Christian philosopher. And on, on this article, he said, quote, if death stands with open arms at the end of life's trail, then what is the goal of life? Is it all for nothing? Is there no reason for life? And what of the universe? Is it utterly pointless? If its destiny is a cold grave in the recesses of outer space, the answer must be yes, it is pointless. 
This is reality in a universe without God. There is no hope. There is no purpose. Now, then he goes, so, so I'm not sure I even disagree with that part. Like if you want to define ultimate meaning as like meaning that persists throughout the entire duration of the universe and beyond, then I don't think my life has that kind of meaning at all. Like I'm pretty confident that in 4 trillion years, there's going to be no sign whatsoever that I ever existed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree with you. Like, <laughs> right. Um, so then he goes on to say, the point is this, if God does not exist, then life is objectively meaningless, but man cannot live consistently and happily knowing that life is meaningless. So in order to be happy, he pretends that life has meaning. Now this ding, 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 ding. This is important. And he, he kind of does a little switcheroo here. This is an equivocation fallacy, which I'm not sure we've done before, but an equivocation is where you use the same word or a similar word to mean two different things, but you don't like state that you're switching meanings. Yeah. It's, this is a very tricky thing and he is really good at this. Uh, sometimes I wonder if he's really good at it and he's just doing it because he doesn't realize it or if he's being deceitful. But Well, it can also be like if the two of them are so intertwined in your own head, it can sometimes like yeah. you might miss that you switched it. So like, for instance, if so anyway, let me let me say what he switched there before I go off on how it's messed <laughs> up. Uh, so what he what he's switching there, he he started by talking about ultimate meaning. But then he said, if you don't have ultimate meaning, life is meaningless, which assumes that the only possible type of meaning is ultimate meaning. Right. You could have Simple meaning or like, um, limited meaning, limited like meaning, yeah. me- meaning within a certain time frame, you know? And so perhaps William Lane Craig so thoroughly equates ultimate meaning with the, as the only kind of meaning that matters that for him, if you don't have ultimate meaning, your life is meaningless, but that's the very question we're talking about. And so what the atheist typically says is that I give my own life meaning. Like I, I imbue my life with meaning. My, my life has meaning because I, you know, have time. I have a family that I care for and cares for me. And, you know, I do work that I find fulfilling and things like that. Yeah. But, but what about ultimate meaning? You can't have ultimate meaning. And that's true, which I just don't care about. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like the, the whole, like, I mean, this is almost, this is an argument for God too. Like the fact that, you know, ultimate meaning is, is exists. Like, first of all, you don't know and you can't prove that ultimate meaning exists. Second of all, it doesn't mean that a God exists, but like, so what if there's no ultimate meaning? Like, I don't really care. Like, well, so when I die, I will cease to exist. So if I can, if my life has meaning during the time that I'm alive, and after I die, I don't exist. There's no me to have meaning or not have meaning. That means that my life will have had meaning for 100% of the time that I exist, which is the only part that I can possibly care about. Like, there's no me to care about it anymore yeah. after that, right? So, yeah, this one, it, I, I don't know. If, if ultimate meaning is something that bothers you, if the idea that there won't be a sign that you existed after the heat death of the universe is problematic, then maybe this could have some purchase on you. But I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the Venn diagram of atheists and people who care about ultimate meaning barely overlaps. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Like if, if you think about it, this is weird. Like it's almost like something like Christians, like teach themselves, right? Like they teach themselves that life has to be, has to have meaning outside of themselves and then fill in that hole with God. Whereas like, like you said, most atheists really don't 
like they all have their own meaning they prescribe to life, like, and, and they're completely satisfied and content with it. And it doesn't bother them. But the Christians who say this are like freaked out by the idea that there's no ultimate meaning. I, I think most people, even most Christians, probably most of the meaning that they derive for them life is the same that I have. They care about their family and their job and, you know, the next ball game. <laughs> they're just labeling an ultimate and we're not. <laughs> right. yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think this objection, it doesn't do much for the atheist. I don't think it means anything really uh and i yeah i just see no no reason that i should care at all about ultimate meaning whatever the hell that even is yeah speaking of ultimate i do want to say though i don't want to go to lowe's and get my super broad brush and think that i'm painting all christians or all theists with this these this list because like, like we talked about last time no group is monolithic and so we're not saying that every Christian or every religious person believes or says these things. So if you don't say them, then we're not talking about you. Yeah. These are just things that we hear many Christians or, well, because we're in America, many Christians, but I've heard other religious people say similar things too. So, yeah. so uh, the next one is on atheism. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, 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 dot. There is no objective morality. Now this, this is, is one. Whew. <laughs> This is another one that um, in terms of like an argument, it's a little bit of wishful thinking because what it's really saying is I don't like a world where there's no objective morality, therefore God. Yeah. There's some, I mean, this is a popular one too amongst you know, like apologists and stuff too, because, and they'll pull out like, you know, the arguments like, well, if there's no uh, objective morality, then what is it? Why is it wrong to rape or murder or torture a baby? You know, like. Right. Uh, if there's no objective morality, what's stopping you from stabbing people in the street or whatever? Insert whatever horrible thing here. Or, you know, Hitler was just a person with a different idea or whatever, you know, whatever travesty yeah. you want to put in there. Um, first of all, I'd object to the idea that there is objective morality. I'm not certain that that's true. Uh, they seem to be just taking it as if it were true. Yeah. You know, that if without God, there's no objective morality, but there definitely is objective morality, therefore God, check me. But I'm not certain that there is they objective morality. Met that burden of proof yet, in my right. opinion. Uh, and so by objective here, I presume that they mean like outside of anyone's perceptions. Like, yeah, something that would be wrong at any point in space and time. Right. right. Whether or not a human was there to say, or a person in any sort, like rape would be wrong, even if no persons existed to be raped would be like objective morality. Yeah. Um, but even deeper than that, I'm not certain that God existing would make morality objective either. It's subjective to God, right? Right. So, like, their objection is that if there is no God, we're just kind of making up what's right and wrong. We're, as a human, either as individuals or as a species or whatever, we are making it up. But if God is the one that's saying what's right and wrong, aren't we just exporting that subject? Like, we're just we're just deferring it to the manager, so yeah, to speak? Like, like, <laughs> so, like, like, God says today that murder is wrong, therefore it's objectively wrong. But tomorrow he could say that murder is good and therefore it would be objectively good. It, I mean, he could. Well, if, well according your, to them, if God is yeah. saying it, then it is, yeah. right? So according to your, depending on what your conception of God is. But yeah, it's it seems like it would just, it would be just as subjective. It would just be subjectively uh, up to this creator. And right. why does therefore he, it's what, not objective? <laughs> why is his, why does his subjective, his subjective morals get to be 
like get to win is it because he's super powerful like i mean certainly he can enforce his will and i can't stop him but that doesn't make it right <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> that, that that's the argument made by every dictator since the beginning of time literally in this case yeah this one's weird and even within the bible too like there it's clearly it's clear there aren't objective morals based on old testament depictions of, of the judeo-christian god like yeah so uh, this one doesn't have much. Oh, like, I think it, it's not that a moral argument from God is necessarily useless. It's that you shouldn't assume that objective morality exists. Like you need to demonstrate that. And then you can move on with this argument. Just yeah. saying that, well, you wouldn't like it. Well, that's not an argument. Um, yeah, I guess the, the thing that gets me about these on atheism statements is like, they're saying they're using it as a, a tool to, like show how flawed atheism is as a worldview. And your problem is right there. Atheism is not a worldview. Like there's nothing about atheism that says anything about any of these subjects. Right. Though I, I, I do want to touch on one thing you said though, or right here at the beginning, often when you get this, it's, you know, well, if there is no objective morality, why is it wrong to rape or why is it wrong to murder or whatever? Like what's stopping you? What's stopping me is empathy and the fact that I'm not a terrible (laughs) person. Like, like I wonder when someone says that is, is the only reason you're not raping because you think that Jesus wouldn't like it? Like, is that's all that's stopping you? Because Because if that's the case, you should just keep on believing in Jesus. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Let's stop this conversation. You should go to church. Like, like I'm already doing all of the rapes I want to do all of the no rapes that like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's really interesting. Like the, Oh man. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if the person saying that has really thought through the implications for their own worldview mm. if 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 the only thing that's stopping them is the fact that there's a guy a, a bearded man in the sky watching their every move uh but anyways <laughs> all right so those uh that's <laughs> number four now we're on to number five this one we're going to get more into like an evidence-based claim that's just ridiculous so this one uh i got from vadi bakum who is I, I think it's the source of this one, or at least one of the sources for the people who've thrown it at me. But it is that there's more evidence for Jesus Christ than for Julius Caesar. Yeah. And just real quick, Vadi is a, um, he's like a, a preacher. He's charismatic. I would call him an apologist, but not really. Uh, he's yeah, he, got a huge internet presence, though. Right. Like William Lane Craig is more, or actually Frank Turek is a better example of an of a apologist. Yeah, uh, where he tries to be a little bit more formal. Vadi Bakum is just a like a charismatic speaker. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and to be clear, neither Jared or I are mythicists, so we both think that Jesus actually existed. But there is a big difference between yeah, he probably existed, and yeah, he's better evidenced than the first person to like take over the Roman Empire by force. You know. Yeah. Uh, so the quote I got for this, and and he's made this quote everywhere you can find it on YouTube, but I pulled a quote from one of his YouTube videos, Vadi Balcom. He said, there are over 6,000 manuscripts for the New Testament itself. Now that may not sound a lot like a lot to you, but Julius Caesar and his Gallic Wars, that's how we know about Julius Caesar and his conquests. We have around 10 manuscripts. Folks, that's not even close. When it comes to Julius Caesar's Gallic Wars, the earliest thing we can put our hands on was written 900 years after the original, but nobody is tearing down the walls in college because they're reading Caesar. Basically, there's way more manuscripts of the new Testament, which attest to Jesus than there are for 
this particular book of the Gallic Wars. Therefore, the New Testament wins the manuscript contest. And so it's better. It's better tested. And and he goes into like the dates too. Like, you know, uh, we have earlier writings for the New Testament. So the point he's trying to make that if we want evidence for for something in history, ideally we'd want multiple attestation. We'd want more than one person saying it. And we'd want it to be early if we can. Uh, Both of those are good and valid points. However, (laughs) first of all, the number of manuscripts you have for something does not tell you whether or not it's true. We have a ton of manuscript evidence for Hogwarts and Harry Potter. Yeah, I could literally just write something on a piece of paper and go down my local Kinko's and just punch out 6,000. I need (laughs) 6,000 of these right now so I can be right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that doesn't tell you anything. Also, what he doesn't say is most of those manuscripts are from centuries after the fact. Yeah, like Uh, literally when they had... Um, yeah. monks like sitting yeah. there just handwriting all day most, they did. most manuscript evidence of the new testament is from the year a thousand and beyond so that's something that he's not mentioning but even aside from that it first uh, we don't get all of our evidence for people in general but caesar in particular from manuscripts and it's not just when is the earliest copy we have of it it's like when was this thing written yeah you know and so like the fact that uh, Mark, for instance, the first gospel was written in seventies CE. That's about uh, forty years after the fact. That's reasonably close, but still distance of a few decades, right? And the first copy of it we have is like a century or two after that. We have a book that Caesar himself wrote. Like Caesar, this guy wrote it during his lifetime. <laughs> during his life, like he, yeah. boy, I mean, it'd be hard for him to write it after his lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh- Ask Moses. He did it. That's a good point. So, yeah, Caesar wrote the Gallic Wars. So if you're not, I hope everyone listening has at least heard of Caesar. He's not the guy who made the salad. Uh, Julius Caesar was a uh, the first Roman emperor. Well, I, I, actually, I guess technically he wasn't the first Roman emperor. I think his, his um, successor, Caesar Augustus, was. But regardless, um, he's the guy you, who, you know, toppled the Roman Republic and, you know, he's a great general and stuff in Rome and he conquered Gaul, which is modern day France. And he wrote a report of it for the Senate. It was mostly a propaganda piece. So some of it is thought to be exaggerated, but there's a lot of truth in it. Now we know he wrote it and we know he existed from not just that book, but that other people also alive at the time talked about it. So we've got writings from a guy named Cicero, who was a friend of Caesar's. We've, uh, so he lived at the same time. He like knew, grew up with this guy. We have another guy, Sallust, who wrote the Catiline Conspiracy. He lived during the lifetime of Caesar, and he was a supporter of Julius Caesar later in his life. We have writings from uh, historian Livy, who uh, lived at the time of Caesar, 59 BC to 17, and he wrote the life of Caesar during the life of Caesar. You know, So we have tons of writings, not just from Caesar, but other people who knew about this guy who were earlier multiply attested and attested outside of the extra biblical. So here we have people who are friends, but also other people outside of this are opponents who are, so we have multiple attestation. You don't get any earlier than contemporary, you know, than at the same time. So that already, so already we've beaten 
the Bible in terms of, G- of Jesus. But wait, there's more because we have whole rooms of coins with Caesar's likeness, coins that are minted commemorating his conquest of Gaul, for example. We have busts. Of the dude. We have busts of Caesar. We have statues yeah. of the guy all over the place. There's inscriptions about this guy. Like, literally, like, everywhere you look, Caesar is talked about, not just after the fact, but during his life, too, because he was super important. Yeah. Not to mention the fallout. Like, <laughs> what would have happened with Rome had there not been Caesar, right? Yeah, that's another great point. So, when when a historian is looking at evidence, they want to see, you know, multiple attestation. They look at... um these other criteria, one of the criteria is like the course of history. Does this event or this person fit with the course of history? Like would history still work without it? Other things we know happened. We know that Rome became an empire, that the Republic fell, that, that Gaul was conquered. Like these are things we know outside of these writings. We know it from other archeological evidence and just the way history worked out. That period of Roman history makes no goddamn sense at all. If Caesar didn't (laughs) exist. Yeah. Well, it's, this is one of those ones where it's like, I think it just sounds good to say it. Um, and I don't know if Vody actually knows that he's full of crap when he's talking about this, or if he just heard somebody else say it and he's just repeating it. Like, I don't know. He's a pretty educated guy. I, I, it, I don't know. But even like the, like the 6,000 manuscripts, like half, like, have you seen some of those manuscripts? They're like the size of my thumb. Like one of them, uh, one twenty five P fifty two yeah is a credit card sized piece of John. That's the earliest manuscript we have from the early second century, and yeah, it, it's just a like front and back a piece of of the of John, but that is one manuscript. So everything from the entire New Testament to a scrap of paper are both manuscripts. Yeah. So I mean, sure, if you want to rip up your one book and make six thousand manuscripts, then go for but, it. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, it, this yeah. is one of those things that sounds really cool if you do no research into it whatsoever. Like, oh, well, Julius Caesar definitely existed. So yeah, the only reason that these terrible people are saying that, you know, we shouldn't, is because they're biased against Christians or whatever. Yeah. Well, the one thing I want to say about this is is people like Vadi, um, or Vodi, however you say his name, they typically direct these conversations or these talking points to other Christians. And the reason why I feel like they should stop doing it is because these other Christians believe it and then go and repeat it to other people. Right. That, that And that that's an excellent point. So this is another thing that Vadi isn't saying this in a debate with someone who can like, like he's not going to talk to Bart Ehrman about this, right. you know, like, cause that's not his deal, but the I'd problem, like to see that though, you get crushed. It would be amazing. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, I, I had one of uh, a boss that I used to have, uh, like knows I'm an atheist, and he is like, "Hey, he, look at this evidence! Isn't this amazing? Like, you should, you, sh- I want you to look into this." And I, of course, tore it apart, and it really <laughs> offended him. Like, he felt bad because I was not kind to body, but uh, yet yeah, he, he, I, I think he felt embarrassed. You know, I, I think that that was the. Yeah, why he got he so took upset. something at face value without being critical or, or skeptical right. about it, and, and so preachers who are saying things like this are not doing their, their flock any favors by arming them with this super poor evidence. Like you can make a good case for the existence of Jesus without lying with, yeah. or without using shoddy evidence. Just use the right evidence, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not giving your flock or your, your, uh, your 
parish a uh, the tools they need to have a defense for their faith. Your bishopric. Your bishopric, yeah. Well, that's like a bishop rook, or is it a knight? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> your your, your group of believers. Yeah. Uh, your your gaggle your practitioners. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of bad arguments, let's go on to number six. Mm. Man, just look at the trees, man. Just look would at the you, trees. Would you just look? Would you just look at it? <laughs> what about babies, though? <laughs> How could you look at a baby that was just born and tell me there is no God? Which I swear is something <laughs> that I've actually been told. <laughs> My grandfather told me that. So, yeah. Uh, oh. Or you can't prove love, man. You you don't have evidence for love. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, maybe, but maybe we do. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, who was it? Um, comedian song guy, fuck Tim Mitchum. Tim Mitchum, yeah, yeah. Mitchum, he said, yeah. Uh, love without evidence is just stalking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this one's this one's always this is the kind of stuff that I hear the most from Christians because most Christians aren't equipped with like, you know, your typical apologist arguments. Most Christians don't give a lot of thought to what they're saying, but like, these are to them, these are good arguments because they just boom. Let's be real. Nobody, or ver- I imagine very few people converted or came to their faith because of the Kalam cosmological argument. You no. know, that's, that's something not- you, you find once you're trying to justify your faith after you have a period of doubt, in my opinion, like, right. It, it's nobody is like feeling worried about the future or, you know, is raised up in a tradition and it's the cosmological argument that really won them over. Like usually what well, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush. Often people come to these beliefs because that's how they were raised up. That's it feels good. You know, that they, they feel a need to direct their sense of gratitude towards a being or whatever, you know, yeah. it's these emotional appeals that get them there. Well, I mean, I can, I can understand that too. I've been out in nature and like, I've had like, you know, those awe inspiring things. Um, Sir Francis, uh, Francis Collins, you know, extremely smart dude, literally used this argument to believe in God when he saw like the waterfall, the frozen waterfalls, right. like, yeah, he, he saw three frozen waterfalls, I believe. And that struck him that that was like the Trinity. And, and there you go. So like one of the smartest dudes ever. Wait, in Gino, like, like, Pilot of the Genome Project. The Human you know? Genome Project, yeah. And he literally used to just look at the trees argument. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It's, so, a lot of things about this. First of all, it's obviously an emotional appeal, right? And we know that emotions are fallible. They're not a great way to arrive at truth. If you're, if you're worried about the truth, if you want to have true beliefs and not false beliefs, then it's not a good idea to base it on, I saw some pretty waterfalls. Not just because it's bad evidence, but because like, okay, so you felt this sense of purpose or divine touch or whatever. How do you know you pick the right God? There could yeah. be some ice waterfall God who's like, come on, I gave him the waterfall. I gave him the waterfall. <laughs> it's literally my thing. How is he not getting this? <laughs> like the hurricane God's really pissed. Like I keep giving him hurricanes and blowing them over. Like, like come on, you know? <laughs> yeah. How many waterfalls do I have to freeze before people realize there's a waterfall God? (laughs) How many tornadoes do I got to ravage a town with before the people? Yeah. Yeah. So there's no way like, like you could use the exact, literally the same experience and you put someone who was raised in a Muslim country and they look at it and they walk away with a renewed faith in Allah. 
Yeah, that there's because there's no substance there. There's no there's no model. There, there's just nothing there. Yeah, um, I mean, so this is a great argument if you want to get a good feeling about yourself and like it makes you feel good to maintain your belief. But it's not something good to say to an atheist uh, because they're going to tear you apart. I mean, right, right. It's if if it makes you feel better to arrive at your beliefs in this way, then more power to you. I mean, believe whatever you want, but you're not going to convince anyone else, or at least you're not going to convince me. You know what else you're not going to do? You're not really going to be an atheist because <laughs> you're also not going to have good segues. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. All right. Number seven, <laughs> you're not really an atheist because dot, dot, dot. Usually it's, you're not really an atheist because the definition of atheist is someone who believes there is no God. Or sometimes I get told, you know, that they'll argue with me as if that was my position. Yeah. And then I have to correct them. It's like, well, no, I'm not saying that there's no God. I just don't believe it. Well, then you're not really an atheist. Well, I mean, if that's how you define atheist, then then I guess I'm not one. (laughs) I've seen several... Uh, videos by people we know who have dedicated hours to trying to argue this point. Usually the argument goes something like, well, if you go into a philosophy of religion journal, this is how they define atheist. To which I respond, well, I didn't realize I was speaking to a philosophy of religion journal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if that's your definition, then I then okay. But I'm telling you what me, the atheist, like this is how I define myself. Like Right. Yeah. And the thing is, so as we've discussed on this channel before, if you talk to an atheist, most, most atheists today, in fact, I'd say the overwhelming majority of atheists, when they use the term atheist, what they mean is atheist, not a theist. I do not believe. Right. There are, which is like called soft atheism or de facto atheism, or we call it agnostic atheism. But there are very, very few atheists who will go as far to say, I believe there are no gods at all. Right. Uh, and typically they have really bad arguments <laughs> for them. Yeah. But I think we may be on the verge of needing a definition change. You know, we need to call Webster up and be like, yo, Daniel, uh, could you maybe rewrite this definition for us? Like, Right. Because words are defined by the usage. A yeah. word means how it's used to mean, you know. And so if... Figuratively. If every, yeah, or literally, <laughs> if every atheist or virtually every atheist is using the term atheist to mean this, then that's what it means. Yeah. And even deeper than that, okay, you don't think that that's the right quote usage of atheist, okay. But you should know that if you're going to talk to an atheist, that's not the label they're using. Like that, you know that they're not using the word. So why, rather than drawing this line in the sand and saying, no, the label you take for yourself is wrong. Like why waste time with that? It's so arrogant. Yeah. And if you flip it back on them, like you're not really a Christian because a Christian means blah, blah, blah. Like you got a divorce and the Bible is, says you can't do that. So you're not really a Christian. You're not really a Christian because you're a Southern Baptist and everybody knows that, you know, Southern Baptist, if you're not. Or even more broadly, something we mentioned in the last video. Well, you're wrong when you say that faith means trust. Faith actually means this other thing. Well, no, the the person who's telling you says that they, when they say faith, they mean this thing. So just go with that. Well, me as the atheist, I'm telling you, when I say atheist, I mean, I don't believe in God. Just go with it, man. Don't be a jerk. (laughs) Yeah. 
So yeah. stop saying it because it pisses me off. <laughs> right. Yeah. I would really like it if you didn't say that anymore. Yeah. You know what Another else thing. pisses me off? <laughs> uh, so speaking of faith, though, uh, here's number eight. It takes more faith to be an atheist, or I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, as yes. Frank Turek, the mm. apologist, likes to say it at a very mm. rapid phase, pace. Oh, Frankie boy. <laughs> yeah. So he has like a whole line like of merch. Like this is his tagline. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I'm pretty sure he wrote a book with that title. Like this is his his whole deal. And usually this is coupled with something like, uh, you believe that the universe just came about by chance or that life just arose from nothing or whatever crazy thing. Well, I just don't have enough faith to believe that. Yeah. Is usually how it comes up. Ah, well, in order to actually have faith in something, we'd have to be making a claim, right? I I guess so. I I can't imagine I have faith that my negation is right. I'm not sure how that would work. Yeah, so I mean, like, am I making a claim that there is no God? Well, as we just discussed, the answer to that is no. <laughs> well, if that's the case, then, uh, you know, nobody's saying that. So, I mean, I have yeah. no no claim to make a faith in. The burden well, of I proof. I have no faith to make a claim. Anyways, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. The burden of proof is on the person, the religious person. So, I'm not saying that the universe came from nothing. I'm not saying that this all happened by chance. It didn't happen by chance, by the way. Happening by natural processes, processes is not the same as happening by chance. There's a nine or an eight A that we can put in there. Every, this evolution happened by chance. It didn't happen by chance. Anyway, yeah, there make there's a bunch of assumptions made in these claims. First right. of all, uh, but yeah, it and also it's kind of used as a gotcha too. Like, oh, you don't believe in God, really? Well, then how did the universe come to exist? Well, I don't know, man. How the hell should I know? Like, I'm not a cosmologist. The cosmologists don't know. Like, I don't know. But there's a difference. See. I say, I don't know, therefore, I don't know. Whereas the theist is saying, I don't know, therefore, I do know, and it's God. Yeah. Well, the other thing that drives me crazy about these, this, you know, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Like, the same people use faith as like, it's the bee's knees, right? Like, right. Oh, like it's their reason for everything. I just like, have yeah, faith. faith. You just got to have faith gotta have faith it's a good thing man like like blessed is the one who believes without seeing you know like yeah faith but, is, but is you're legit. making fun of me because you don't have enough faith well i don't yeah. get it <laughs> Wait, so i have more faith like I, like get on my level bro you know <laughs> yeah. uh i think it's mainly because most atheists would say that faith is a bad thing so they are turning it around that yeah, way but also this 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 plays into the I don't want to say misuse, but the confusion about the word faith. Because I've had Christians tell me that faith doesn't mean belief without evidence. It means like trust or something, which fine. They want to use the definition. That's their their definition, sure. That's cool, no problem. But then they'll turn around and say, well, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. In this case, meaning belief without lack lack of evidence, like believing without evidence. Like, which is it? You know, pick one and go with it. You got to pick. You can't can't be (laughs) switching and choosing here for your own benefit. Yeah. So... Again, if if you want to make a claim that God exists, then show evidence for that claim. The, uh, running into a random person on the street, that person being unable to explain complex cosmology to you is not evidence that you're correct. 
Yeah. I mean, this one kind of gets back into that emotional thing too. Like, um, we don't want to think that this all just happened by chance. Like, but we're assuming that it did happen by chance when we say it. And then, so they're making it seem like it's all, Oh my gosh. Like, well, what if it, it also displays ignorance of modern scientific, (laughs) scientific understanding, like, uh, things like, well, you know, I don't have enough faith to believe in the big bang when that's pretty well evidenced at this point, stuff like that. Yeah. We could do a whole episode on the Big Bang. Maybe we will. Uh, but anyway, so we did nine for the atheists. So now we're on the last one for the religious person. Number nine. Number nine. Y'all, Y'all just, just want to sin. Y'all just, just need sin. Jesus. <laughs> Y'all need Jesus. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, well, I, had a, I had a person who uh, I went to school with, BCU. And it came up in conversation. I don't remember exactly how, but he, I I think he asked me what I believed. And I told him I was an atheist and he asked me why. And I, you know, said, well, I, you know, haven't been given sufficient evidence to believe that there's a God. He's like, are you sure that's it? Like, are you sure there's just not stuff you wanted to do, but you didn't want God telling you not to. So you're somebody actually told you that. I, yep. Right. (laughs) Wow. Right. Right. Hand of the flying spaghetti monster. (laughs) Yep. Uh, and, I just kind of let the conversation lapse because there was no reason to continue it. But yeah, for real, like he straight up told me that the reason I'm an atheist is not because of any kind of intellectual understanding. Like I told him it was, it's because I'm a bad person who wanted to sin. So I've never had anybody be that blatant with it, but I have had people kind of like beat around the bush, you know, like, well, there must've been something, you know, that you, you were doing, or, you know, like you feel guilty about like trying to not come out and say like, but they, clearly intended to say like you just want to sin so a couple things on this first of all sin is awesome yeah uh and i do enjoy it particularly like not honoring the sabbath i love not honoring the sabbath it's great uh bacon that's sin uh depending on yeah what what do you want to go with old or new speaking speaking of which real quick I would challenge you to ask a Christian exactly what sin is. Like, what what is sin? I bet you would get 300 different answers from 200 Christians. But more deeply, like, if, first of all, this is, this is kind of tying back to our first one. Because if I, you don't choose to believe or not, really. Like, you either do or you don't. You know, you're either convinced or you're not. You, you don't really decide to be convinced. You just are. Belief is a subset of knowledge. Right. So if I'm saying, if you're telling me that you are an atheist because you just want to sin, what you're telling me is, I know that there's a God that has rules and I don't like them. So I am not admitting that I believe. (laughs) Yeah. So wait, this this one encompasses the other one. You really know there's a God, but you're suppressing it so you can sin. Exactly. So I can at least feel good about my sinning. But like, if I don't, believe in God, then I don't believe like, then, then sin doesn't matter. It's like, uh, that sketch from Austin Archer. He's like, uh, you can't do that. Why not? Well, this book I like a lot <laughs> says you can't do it. <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't care about that. It's like that. <laughs> well, here's uh, another thing too. When I was a Christian, I literally had conversations with myself in my head saying like I wanted to do something that I thought was sinful at the time. And I was like, well, I'm just going to do it and ask for forgiveness later like, <laughs> because I knew I could. Right. So like I didn't have to be an atheist to sin. I just did it anyways. Like that's true. That's true. Yeah. I, it's not, I'm 
approximately as moral now as I ever was. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that the thing I wanted to do was like bad. I mean, at the time I did, but now it wasn't. So it, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Look, the the bottom line here, and with the first one is, if somebody tells you that they believe something because of X, Y, and Z, unless you have a really, really good reason to not believe them, just just believe them. Like, yeah. How do you know? Like, how how could you possibly know why I believe something? Or even better, even if you don't believe them, don't tell them this. (laughs) If you have nothing nice to say, don't don't say say anything anything at all. all. There you go. Yeah, Thumper's mom would be proud of you. I wonder, like, what the end game is. Like, what's what's what is the expected response when the person, for instance, the person that um, I spoke to at college. What did he think I was going to say? You know, like... You know, you're right. I repent, and I'm a Christian. <laughs> I, I have heard the good news. Hallelujah. Like, does anyone yeah. honestly believe that's what's going to happen? Yeah. yeah, what step on the Romans' roads is this one? Like, y'all just want to sin. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't see the end game to this, <laughs> to this thing. Oh, man. I don't know. At the end of the day, join the dark side because we have cookies. Like, yeah. Mm, cookies well that's i think that's it for for these ones um this was a fun one to do um you know it was really easy to come up with this list because we've heard all of these or or most of them between the two of us uh, quite often actually so it didn't take that much thought but um what we really want is to elevate the conversation Mm -hmm. right let's let's dispense with these bad arguments and so we can focus on the good ones because if i'm wrong about there not being a god or about you know if if there is actually evidence for god and i'm not aware of it i want to know like i would love to know i'm not i'm not certain if i would become a christian but i would stop being an atheist that's for sure you know so if you want to convince me or you want to convince your family then better arguments is better. And if you want to at least have a productive relationship, maybe don't be a, a jerk. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. For me, I love being right. I've loved being right my entire life. And if I'm wrong, I want to be right. Well, you know what the best thing is about being skeptical about being a skeptic. If you're wrong, you just change your mind and then poof, like magic, you're not wrong anymore. It's amazing. It's a good feeling too. Yeah. Boom. You on a dime, you suddenly stop being wrong. It's great. So, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, Jared and I were talking yesterday about how like we hate this, you know, like, comment and subscribe, but it really does help the channel if you uh, give us feedback, uh, not just because we want to hear how we're doing if, you know, if we're doing something that we could be doing better or you guys are more interested in a different topic. We genuinely want to hear that. Um, and it also helps the channel if you share it to your friends, if you think that they might get value out of it, if you got value out of it, um, you know, help us reach more people. And if you don't like it, uh, tell us so. Like I said, we always enjoy criticism. And if there's something you'd like us to cover, some topic, whether it's religious or not, because we do half our episodes are related to religion, the other half are more general conspiracy theory stuff. Uh, so whichever one it is, we'll get to it. If you let us know, you can reach us on Facebook at facebook.com slash reason to doubt. We are on Twitter now. 
the handle is press X underscore to doubt. And we have a YouTube channel. You can find us there too. If you prefer that platform though, as I'm saying that I realize that if you prefer that you're almost definitely listening to this on YouTube. So it's kind of a waste of time for me to tell you. Yeah. That's all right. The, the bottom line is we just want to spread the good word and the good word is skepticism. Right. The good word is you don't know. We don't know at least anyway. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening, guys. And until next time, remember, you always have reason to doubt. Peace out.